Uh, tonight we have a great honor. Uh, I've known uh, John Harper for a number of years, not real close, but uh, Assembly God Minister, we would see each other at um, district functions and different things like that. His wife is down here, Cookie, and she's a great lady, a great prayer warrior. And uh, John and I, in the month of March, are going to be uh, doing a series, uh, Crashing the Chatterbox. It's kind of a continuation of what Pastor has been speaking on, Hearing the Voice of God going to have John come tonight. Good evening. Good evening. It's exciting to be here at Calvary Church tonight. Well, praise God. It's great to be here with you tonight. We honor uh, Pastor Mark and First Lady Renee and uh, Pastor Paul, and uh, we are part of the Calvary family now, I think. Are we, are we in yet? Yes. We were close. We went through the interview. We went through the classes, all that good stuff, right? We're close. The induction, all right, I'm waiting for the induction and then we'll, you're gonna see a lot of us around here having fun with you guys and fellowshipping with you. I'm excited about it, I really am, about being a part of it, amen. Great Scott. I just wanna share a little bit, we are, we do have a ministry called Harper International Ministries and I think on the 13th of March, uh, Sunday night, uh, I'll be doing some preaching and sharing that. Tonight I'm doing teaching, so I'm telling the preacher in me to stand down, okay? So it's hard to tell the, the preacher in me to stand down, and uh, but you stand down. Don't you come up to me, amen. Praise God, it's great to be here with you. I'm excited about the house, aren't you? The church and what's going on, aren't you, Sigler? Amen, I'm excited. So listen, I want to just share with you, if you could, I don't know if it's too late to get this, but this is the book, uh, Crash the Chatterbox. It's one of the the finest books I think I've read in a long time. Uh, I read it some time ago and I've read it over and over again. Uh, <clears throat> I was the state director for Teen Challenge, uh, Illinois. And of course, we, we shared this, we taught this in there and uh, some lives was changed and radically rearranged. And so you need to probably get that, get this book or maybe we can order some. I don't know how all that works, but uh, it'd be great to read along with us in the book. I'm going to tell you, next week, some exciting videos. That was just a little introduction. But each week, we start these series with um, a little video vignette. You don't want to miss it. I'm telling you, you just don't want to miss it. It's really exciting. And uh, <clears throat> I think next week, Pastor Paul is going to be teaching. Then I teach the next week, and we, we're going to keep it going. And if you like it, if you like it, I think we're going to keep going maybe in another room. Is that correct? Okay, if you like it. So you might say, I don't like it. I don't like that guy. I don't like Paul either. So anyway, <laughs> but we want, to, we want to continue to do it because I think what we're trying to do is just continue what, what Pastor Mark had already started teaching about, hearing the voice of God. And I think we cannot get enough teaching about hearing the voice of God. It's crucial to hear the voice of God. Now, I was debating uh, because hearing the voice of God above all others, and then on your notes tonight, it talks about chatterboxing. I'm not down where to fill in the blank yet, so just hold on, uh, about chatterboxing. And we all have a chatterbox that continues to talk to us, and it continues to talk to us in such a way where we're like, oh my word, will you ever shut up? You ever get into a realm of thinking that you just can't seem to get yourself out of, you know? What this teaching is going to do for you, it's going to help you to be able to break that cycle, break out of that kind of thinking, 
and get into something rich. It will also cause you the ability to what I call um, subverting the, the sabotage. Subverting the sabotage, okay? And I want to tell you a neat little story about that immediately after I give you one of my life quotes. This is one of my life quotes. It says, you'll always move in the direction of your most dominant thought. Say that with me. I will always move in the direction of my most dominant thought. So whatever is dominating your thinking, that is the, going to be the trajectory of your life. That is where your life is going to follow in your dominant thinking. So if your spirit is dominating your thinking, that's where you're going to go. If your flesh is dominating your thinking, that's the direction you will go in. You will always move in the direction of your most dominant thought. I want you to seal that in uh, over these next weeks of, of teaching and sharing, but I want you to also keep that note that you have tonight because I want you to meditate on that, marinate in that a little bit because it's going to really help you in days to come. Well, I was debating about telling this story tonight, but I think I'm going to tell it. I, I run back and forth to Chicago every week, and last night I was coming home and just uh, had, uh, in a business that I'm in, had uh, finished uh, two sweet deals, you know, just kind of closed two sweet deals, you know. And so I, I'm driving back on I-55, and I'm in the right-hand lane, and I'm going 60 miles per hour. Okay? And I'm just sitting there. I would love to tell you that I was listening to Carrie Job or somebody like that. No. I was listening to John Coltrane. You know, that's a jazz guy. And so, and I'm sitting there just kind of cruising, cruising. And I hit my exit 160. Because I'm always really cognizant of my driving now. I'm 62 years old. So I can drive 60 miles an hour in the right-hand lane. So I'm, I'm driving, and all of a sudden, a cop, he lights me up. Do, 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 do. I went, no, what did I do? And so I pull over to the shoulder, and I'm real smart, because let me tell you something, let me help you not how to get out of a ticket, okay? Let me tell you how to get out of a ticket. So, so what you do is you, you, when they pull you over, you turn the car off. This disarms the policeman or the officer. He doesn't feel like you're going to drive away and speed off and do something crazy. And so I, I pull the car over, and I shut the, and then as soon as they come to the side, you take your key out of the ignition, and you put it on the dashboard, okay? So this really is disarming him, okay? He comes to the side, to my uh, right side. I roll the window down. He says, do you know how fast you were going? I said, no, apparently you do. He goes, well, what is the speed limit? I said, do you know the answer? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm fooling with him, you know. And he says, he says, when I ask you the question, do you know the speed limit? I said, yes, it's 70 miles per hour. He says, well, why were you going 60? I said, well, would you pull me over if I was doing 80? And, he, and he, I'm not saying that, I'm thinking it. So I, I got my hands on the wheel 10, at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock, okay? And so he says, License and do you know? Do you have a license? Uh, yeah, don't everybody do? Who drives? <laughs> and so I didn't say that. I'm thinking it. 
And so I pulled the license out. I didn't, I didn't say it, I'm just thinking it. And so I, I pulled the license out, I gave it to him. He says, do you have insurance? I says, I'm thinking it. Don't everybody do? I'm going, yes, sir, I have, I have insurance. You know, so I pulled over. I said, I am reaching now into the glove. I did say this. I am reaching now into the glove compartment, sir, and I'm going to give you the documents in which you are asking for. He looks at me and goes, okay. So I pull out the insurance card. He says, you don't need to give me your registration card, Mr. Harper. I said, oh, you know my name. He goes, yeah. He said, I ran your plate already. I said, okay. So he gave me an insurance card. And he says, it was a wrong insurance card. It was an older one. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to reach back in here one more time, sir, and I'm going to find the right insurance card because I know my wife always gives me the right insurance card. And so I pulled over. I reached over, got another insurance card, and I gave it to him. He says, okay, Mr. Harper, you're going to Springfield, right? I go, yeah. Then you know, he says, you're coming from Chicago. I go, wow, not only did you pull me over, but you got ESP too. How did you, you got some kind of psychic ability or some gift of the spirit? I don't know. How did you know I'm coming from, from Chicago? He says, I don't know. I just said Chicago. I said, I said, but you got it right. I am going to Springfield. He says, yeah, I know. That's where you live. He says, you know what, Mr. Harper, driving 60 miles per hour is going to take you a long time to get to Springfield. Duh. But you just interrupted a nice jazz session with John Coltrane. And I said, isn't it cold out there? This is the only thing that you got to do tonight is to pull an old man over. You know? And so I'm not, I didn't say that. I'm thinking that. And I'm going, I'm thinking some other things in my mind too, but I can't say it. So the chatterbox starts going. But it didn't go like it would have gone uh, 20 years ago. Can I say that? 20 years ago, that would have been a whole different scenario. And I probably would have been on the outside of the car with my hands up like this, and they would put me in jail. You know? So I'm like, okay. So I pull off. I'm thinking. I start laughing. I mean, I just start laughing. I said, God, I, I just so thank you for the ability to control what used to be uncontrollable. I thank you for the ability to be able to laugh in the face of adversity. Then he says, now, don't you tell anybody this, what I'm getting ready to do. He says, this is just between you and me. I said, I didn't know we were going to have a relationship after this. <laughs> you know? Oh, you coming to my house for dinner? He says, I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm going to give you a warning. I said, okay, you pulled me over for going 60 miles an hour in the right-hand lane and you're not going to give me a ticket. I'm supposed to be thankful for this. I said, okay, I thank you for the warning. I'll drive 65. <laughs> Where am I going with that story? I'm going this place with it because most of us, we can handle some things, and some things become so out of control that we just cannot handle it. Have you ever gotten a dominant thought in your thinking that you just could not shake? I'm talking about it controlled your every move, family members, situations, circumstances, different things that you're going through in life. And so that's what this book is all about. Now, as I kind of go through the teaching tonight very quickly and share with you a few things, I want you to think about your own chatterbox. I want you to think about how yours operate. 
how there's some things that you just cannot shake. I am a stage four cancer survivor. Okay? And uh, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it was just last week, I believe it was, that two weeks ago, I went to the doctor. I just looked. Filipino doctor about this high. I just mess with him like all the time. I come in, I lay hands on him, pray for him, do all kinds. I pray for everybody in the office. They're just like, who are you? And they say, can you just come back every day and just sit here, you know? And so, uh, stage four. So he says, I'm going to give you a PET scan. PET scan is when they shoot uh, this nuclear stuff all through your body, okay? He said, we're going to light you up like a Christmas tree from your head to your toes. You're going to be a black man glowing in the dark. I said, well, that's never happened to me before, so let's go for it, you know? This is on a Tuesday. And then he says, now, stage four cancer. The next uh, Thursday, I go back. He goes, now, it's a strange thing that has happened here. He says, we, we shot you up with this nuclear stuff. He says, we, this is your head, this is your brain. He's showing me on the computer all this stuff. He looks at me and says, this is your pancreas, this is your liver, this is your, he said, this is your brain. I'm glad, I'm glad it wasn't my brain on drugs like the old days, you know. He said, he said, this is your brain. He goes to, he showed me parts of me I'd never seen before that I really appreciate that I still got, you know, because they've taken quite a few things out of me <laughs> over the years. You can live without a lot of parts, do you know that? Anyway, so uh, he texts me, he says, now, it goes through the whole thing. He says, you know what I don't see? I said, one. He says, we don't see. This is your bone, your skeletal system, everything. He says, we don't see any cancer in your, in your body. Now, if there's anyone in this room who has ever had cancer, and I'll get into the lesson right now, but it, it's a, the big C, they call it, many times. It could be a dominant thought in a person's thinking in such a way that that's all they think about. Well, they told me that I had it. I went, okay, that was 10 years ago. Then it started to come back. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to be wrapped around my mind around cancer. And I've lived my life. Even this last time, they said, you know, hey, you got stage four. I go, yeah, okay, so what did that mean? I can't go to the Bahamas. <laughs> and so I went, I want to live my life. And so he says, go live your life. But here's the secret, folks. I've never wrapped my mind around the diagnosis. I've always wrapped my mind around the answer. And Jesus is that answer. Do I go to the doctor? Yes. Do I appreciate doctors? Yes. But the diagnosis was not the diagnosis that I wanted to hear. Whose report will you believe? Come on. I will believe the report of the Lord. Amen? So... I've asked for the Caleb anointing, 85, you know, it'd be a good time to go see Jesus, and not even then. Cookie says, I'm her ATM machine, so she said, I can't die. <laughs> All right, let's get into our lesson tonight. Here's some questions we need to ponder tonight. Can God's voice coexist with, oh, wow, are we there? Okay, good. Can, can God's voice exists, coexists, I'm sorry, with uh, maniacal uh, chatter within the same person, okay? And it's like, it gets crazy many times when we're trying to hear the voice of God and then rational lies jump in. Say with me, ration, ration. Lies. lies. 
One more time, say now, rationalize. Now let's put it all, let's just say it slow. Rationalize. Do you get it? See, inside the word itself is an answer. That because we continue to rationalize when our thinking has gone crazy and we have to pull it all back together again, God says, I'm going to give you an answer as a Christian, as a child of God, to hold it together when it looks like you're living next door to insanity. You ever live there? All right. And so here's another question. How can I silence the voice of the enemy when the enemy is in me? Now, I'm not talking about demon possession or oppression or those kind of things, but those voices that we hear. I was walking through the mall. You'll see me walking through the mall in uh, White Oaks. I got my big earphones on. I don't wear the little ones because, yeah, I like the big ones, you know. And uh, so you'll see me walking through the mall. And so I was walking through the mall, and I like reading T-shirts. And a girl had a T-shirt the other day. She says, I only listen to the voices that are in my head. I went, ooh, baby. And I won't describe her, but she had green hair going up here. She had no, a ring nose going through here. And she had these big earrings in her ear, and she looked scary to me. But she's a soul that we'll go after, won't we? Won't we? Come on, she's a soul, and we'll go after it. But I just said, wow, I only answer to the voices that are in my, in my head. Okay, now here's an answer. Everything will change when we begin to realize God has given me the ability to choose, to choose the dialogue that I believe against the dialogue I respond to. Can I say that one more time? Everything will change. Okay, down preacher. Everything will change when I began to realize God has given me the ability to choose the dialogue, to choose the dialogue that I believe against the dialogue I respond to. Listen to what Paul says over in Romans chapter 7, verse 22, and I'm reading it out of the uh, uh, amplified version, if that's okay. It says this. <clears throat> it says, For I endorse and delight in the law of God in my innermost self, with my new nature. He says, but I discern in my bodily members in the sensitive appetites and wills of the flesh a different law, rule of action, at war against the law of my mind and my reason and making me a prisoner to the law of sin that dwells in my bodily organs in the sensitive appetites and the wills of the flesh. Wow. So when I looked at that passage of Scripture and uh, in conjunction with that, 2 Corinthians uh, 10 and 5, but we'll get there in just a moment, I thought of this the same question again here that, or this answer about this dialogue that goes on in our lives and a dialogue of what we respond to. Now, like the word rational lies, also you need to hear tonight the word responsibility. Now, I said it real slow, but say it with me, responsibility. 
Now, in your minds right now, you've already thought about responsibility. I must be a responsible person. I must go to work in the morning. I must pay my bills. I must do it. And you must do all those things. But inside that word is also another answer. Responsibility. Say with me. Responsibility. What is responsibility? It is my ability to choose how I respond. Come up here just for a moment, Pastor, Pastor Mays. Stand right here just for a moment. This is my buddy, so he'll understand this. Come here, come here, come here, come back again, come back again. No, no, really, I know Pastor Mays. Eh? Just kind of, mm. now he's not going to take that very long. In fact, he could really come up here and knock me out. But he's choosing not to respond to me. Are you still here? And now, how many people, you may be seated, thank you, friend. How many people push your buttons every day? How many, with me? How many people push your buttons every day? But now, you need to have it sealed in your mind that you're not going to allow them to push your buttons and you're going to choose how you respond. I've been married to Cookie for 40 years. I know her. Boy, do I ever know her. And she knows me better. I know what button to push, what button not to push. Every man said amen. Okay. It's very important. And hearing the voice of God and hearing her voice. The other day we were at a conference and I didn't see her, but it was I maybe mean, 100 people inside like the vestibule area, and I could hear her voice over a hundred people in there. Her laugh, the tonation of her voice, I could detect that it was my wife. Why? Because I've spent some time with her. I've spent some time, and when you spend some time with God, he will help you to choose the right response to the outward stimuli of life. And when people start to push your button, husband, wife, family members, all that stuff, you'll know how to handle it, okay? That's what crashing the chatterbox is gonna do for you. So I wouldn't miss Wednesday nights. I'll just tell you that right now. I wouldn't miss Wednesday nights if I were you because it's gonna give you some strength and some responsibility to choose your own response instead of allowing outward stimuli make its choices for you, okay? Now, listen to this just for a moment. It's very important. God's voice speaks with precision and power. That's what you need to write in your blank. Sorry we didn't provide the answers there for you. But God's voice speaks with precision and power and it invites us into a way of life. Say life with me, life. It says, that is truly life. This is what I observed when I was in the membership class, okay? And Pastor Don was teaching the membership class, and then I think Calvary's verse is John 10, 10. So that's why I put that there. Because it says, um, the thief, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to what? Destroy. He said, but I have come 
that you might have what? Life, and that you might have it what? More abundantly. Now, when you read the word life or you see the word life in the scriptures, all you're seeing is the word life. But the word life in many places have different meanings in the scripture. It's because it says life. It doesn't mean just life, and it's the same throughout the word of God. So when you look at life in that particular scripture, it is the zoe of God. It means the God kind of life. It is the refreshing life. It is the abundant life. It's the kind of life that God wants you to live and that God wants you to have. A life of freedom, a life of power, a life of authority. It is full of the God kind of life. You like that? Then there is bios. It also means life in the Greek. That's this stuff here. It gets sick, it gets cold, it goes to the doctor. It has to have blue cross and blue shield and major medical and all that other stuff. The physical life, what we see physical life. But there's another word for life in the Greek and it's called anastrophe. And it's not like the other two. Anastrophe is confused behavior. It is such, so confused that it's like the man in Mark chapter 5. He is called a legion, and he's lost his identity. He's cutting himself with stones. No man could tame him, not even with chains, the Bible says. But when he met Jesus, something supernaturally took place. The Bible says there are three participles there. It says he was sitting. He had never done that before. He was clothed. He had never done that before. And he was in his right mind. That had never happened before. Are you with me? So when I start looking at this and un unpacking this for myself, because, you know, living the way I did as before becoming a Christian was wild and crazy. I mean, if you ever seen a picture of Jimi Hendrix, you also seen a picture of me. I had, I had hair. I had afro. I had hair. One time I really had hair. And I mean, it was big. I had the chains on. I went to all, I was a hippie. I was a black hippie. I missed Woodstock by a day, man, only because the New York State Thruway was closed. Okay? So, so I, I had this anastrophe going on in my life. It was confused behavior. Confused behavior. I was Newtown, Connecticut, in uh, the Newtown, the Fairfield County Mental Hospital. I remember sitting in there as a kid, uh, 17, 18 years old, in a straitjacket, in a corner, combing my mind, just trying to remember my name, sitting in my waist, just trying to sing my name over and over and over again. That's anastrophe, okay? But on September 5th, 1972, at 8 o'clock, cool down, cool down, preacher, cool down, you're supposed to be teaching. I got a revivalist in me that have to keep him down. Stand down, stand down, boy. What happened was, I was in church service in Bridgeport, Connecticut, in Teen Challenge, but we went to church on Wednesday nights. And all of a sudden, my legs started to move when the preacher was preaching. And I started to get up and go to the altar. And I cried my way to salvation. Came back to the our center, our house that night. And at 10 p.m., nobody in the room with me. I had never heard anyone speak in other tongues in my life. Good Baptist boy. Went to church on Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. We were C, M, and E Christians. <laughs> I had either a church suit or a court suit. <laughs> anyway, 
But that night at 10 p.m., God filled me with the power of the Holy Spirit. No one was around. Glossolalia kicked in, speaking in other tongues, not five easy steps to speak in tongues, <laughs> you know, that kind of, I mean, it just kicked in. I ran upstairs and said, what is this? They said, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I just got saved. I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. I just got saved. He said, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, well, is there anything else? They said, well, no. I'm talking to other students. They didn't know. They said, no, you got it all. But at that moment in time, there was some order that came into a confused person's life. I mean, a supernatural order came in. But I had to continue to work at it because those suicidal tendencies wanted to come back. I was in the hospital because, anastrophe again, I was in the hospital because on this wrist you'll see three marks. I hit the vein, the right one. Are you with me? I was in the hospital that night because I took a bottle of tuinols and secondols and carbonic cleaning fluid inside of a Coca-Cola can and drank it all down, okay? I was in that mental hospital because they rushed me to Norwalk Hospital and I flatlined on the table in the emergency room. I was dead, okay? I was dead. I was in that hospital because a doctor came in and says, let's try one more thing. Try one more thing and he got a pulse. And I'm standing here tonight because God is merciful and gracious. Now, 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 I've showed you three kinds of lying. Bios, anastrophe, and um, the God kind of life. Well, I've been living the, the zoe, the God kind of life, for the last 43 years. And it's good. Oh, come on, guys. I'm talking about the abundant life. It is so good. You know? And I, I love Jesus. He said, okay, that's good, Harper. Tell us some more. Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay, we got a few more minutes. Opposing voices seeks to draw us out of his presence through seduction and deception. There's your blanks, all right? Through seduction and deception. I don't know about you, but there's seducing spirits that exist in the world today. And I want to say also in the church today, if you don't guard your heart, guard your mind, gird up the loins of your mind, as the Word of God tells us, you can be seduced out of the house of God hmm, and go back into the world. But I'm glad for a church like Calvary Church where great teaching goes on. Huh? Great helps of ministry is here for you. Ministries like we were talking about, this study on crashing the chatterbox so you can stay in the kingdom of God and in the presence of, of God and not be deceived. Don't be deceived because there's a spirit of deception in the world today. How many know that there's a great spirit of deception in the world today? All right? And it's out to deceive us. Let's move on. Now, here, here I want to read this because it's so very important. We can crash... The chatterbox by launching a counterattack through the leverage and the advantage that we have as God's children through a heaven's perspective. There's your boy, heaven's perspective. All right, divine power. What I like about 
2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. He, and he says, now, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. The Greek word there is the Greek word legismoi. All right? It literally means vain thoughts, thoughts that war against your mind. So he says, we, we have not received this uh, fleshly weapons, weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. He says, casting down imaginations, every high thing, every lofty thing that would exalt itself over the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity. But what I like about this particular verse, it says, the divine power, with divine power, we can demolish strongholds in verse 5. Demolish strongholds. And so when the chatterbox starts to chatter at you, I mean, you get hooked on that one dominant thought and it's not leading you to the place where you want to go in God. It's not leading you into the realm of the spirit, but it's leading you into the realm of the flesh. And what God is saying to you, he says, I have given you di divine power and it's up to you to make the choice to choose to use the divine power that I've given you or you go by the way of the flesh. And we know what the ends thereof of that, whether you're a Christian or not. Are you still here? Listen to me just for a moment. <clears throat> from a heaven's perspective, wow. From a heaven's perspective, God says, you know what? I've given you the ability to bind and to loose. Hmm. To bind the powers that's coming against you. To loose the power of God against the thing. I like what Pastor Mark says all the time. He keeps repeating himself, but I love it. He says, you know what? Nobody can pray for you. Nobody can read the Bible for you. Nobody can read the Bible for you. I love coming to Wednesday nights listening to him. I get a whole lot of it. I say, you know what? That's right. I know that. Nobody can pray for you. I, I think, I believe, not boasting, that I think I'm a man of prayer. I, can I use some more? Yes. I could use some more. But I want to give my life as to be a man of prayer. From 4 o'clock in the morning to 6 a.m., I'm in prayer. I'm seeking the face of God. God, I need your power. I need your power. I even take breaks during the day and take an hour here. In the evening, we watch the Wheel of Fortune. Don't we, Miss Cookie? Don't we, Miss Cookie? We watch the Wheel of Fortune. And then after that, I kind of disappear into the prayer room for a few hours. I think we should have four hours of prayer a day. Everybody here should learn how to pray four hours a day. You say, who is this guy coming and telling us we got to pray four? I'm still trying to conquer that 15-minute thing. <laughs> but, 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 but hear me and hear me well. If you don't pray and seek the face of God, I'm telling you, your life is not going to be able to crash the chatterbox. All right? Let me finish this right quickly tonight because it's very important. The word of the day is logoria. Say with me, logoria. You said, what's that? Well, you got to buy the book, really, because it's in the book. It says, the word of the day is logoria, which means pathologically inco incoherent, repetitiveness, wearisomeness. They're just wearing you, weary, 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 weary. 
volubility. The chatterbox wants to inundate us with logoria, words, dominant words that keep us on a track of thinking that's not, uh, not like God. How do you break that cycle? How do you break the manufacturing of words that continually come into your life? You know what? I heard a lady say this to her daughter one time. She said this. She says, I wish that you were never born. I wish that you were never born. I said, wow, I'm glad she didn't say that to me. That was my mom. She said that to my sister. I wish that you were never born. Now those words lodged down deep inside my sister. I think it had an adverse effect on her life. I really do to this day. And I, I heard them, but they didn't come and penetrate me. Yes, I had a lifestyle that was crazy, but in 1972, God got a hold of my life and turned it around. And I was not going to repeat those kind of words to my children. Huh? Come on. I was going to build them up, speak good things in their life, even when they did some wrong things that I didn't understand. Are you still here? Amen. All right. Now, listen to me, and we're about done. When Mama says amen that loud, that means that I got to wrap it up. How do you quiet the riot? We've been watching a lot of stuff on television about riots, anastrophe, confused behavior. A lot of stuff is happening in our world today. Another shooting yes, just the other day at a high school. Another shooting. We know all that stuff. Don't want to bring all that in here. You watch the news. That's anastrophe, confused behavior. How do we counteract that stuff? With legislation from the government? I don't think so. But what I, what I do hear is the term confession. Say with me, confession. confession. Come on, confession. confession. Confession means to say with God. To say with God. Say with me, to say with God. What time are we supposed to be? I don't want to make sure I get out. 850, oop. To say with God, let me end this right now. To say with God, what God says, you should learn how to say. His word. I close it with this tonight because I want to be obedient. All the things that we're seeing in our world, in your life today, can be summed up with this course. So that's why it's very important that you make it to Wednesday nights, Okay. To say with God, and Steve Furtick has already shared this, but God says, I am. God says, I am, and this is what God says, I am overpowering the lies of the enemy in my insecurities. Mm. God says he will overpower the lies of the enemy in my fears. God says he has overpowered the lies of the enemy in my condemnation of my own self. 
God says that I can overpower the lies of the enemy in my discouragement. And before we close it out tonight, let me just share this. The definition of righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God without a sense of sin, without a sense of insecurity, without a sense of guilt, without a sense of condemnation. But it's also the ability to stand in the presence of Satan without a sense of guilt, without a sense of insecurity, without a sense of condemnation. So when the old enemy starts talking, he says, you know what? I'm saying what God says about me. What about fear? He says, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but what? Love, power, and what? A sound mind. What about condemnation? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the spirit of the law of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death and what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sent his own son in the likeness of sin for flesh and he condemned sin in the flesh. And I can do the whole chapter. Why? Because the word prayer and the power of God reframes your thinking. And the reason why we need to understand why it's important to be here on Wednesday nights is to hear this teaching and to overpower the lies of discouragement. One of my favorite passages of scripture is over in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. And the Bible says, and David was greatly distressed because the people were speaking of stoning him. Because, I can't go through the whole story, they were going to stone him because the Amalekites came in and burned Ziglag with fire, took their kids and took their wives. And David got in the face of God, in the presence of God, and says, what should I do? What should I do? Should I pursue after this truth? Or will I recover all? But it says this, but David... But David, say with me, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Amen? Stand with me. Sorry for four minutes. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself. We thank God for the church. We thank God that we're here. We thank for elders. We thank for deacons and pastors and all that good stuff. But now it's time for you and I to learn how to encourage ourselves and crash the chatterbox. Amen? This is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to release you. The, the evangelist and revivalist in me just can't resist certain things. So you're going to be free to go after I say this short prayer. But if you want to come around this altar and have some prayer with me and want me to pray for you and some of the pastors in this house to pray for you for a release of the vice grip that's on your mind and a stronghold that needs to be broken, I'm sure you could stay just for a few moments and do that. Now, Father, we thank you right now for the people of God. We thank you, Lord, that you want us free, you want us powerful, you want us anointed. God, and I pray for this house and Pastor Mark, and I pray for him every morning. God and First Lady Renee, 
and this family, the Calvary family. I pray, Lord, you would bless us as we go. Keep us safe. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, the spirit of God that destroys chaos. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good night.